Two can keep a secret. If one of us is dead. I'm Pam. And I'm Rhonda. Thanks Thanks for for tuning tuning in. in. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. So, in typical Pam and Rhonda style, we're going to give you a holiday-themed episode to help you bring in your family time. Bring in your I don't think mine's going to make you super excited <laughs> to spend time with your family. Mine's not family-related at all. So, Pam's going to give you a Thanksgiving case, and then I'm actually going to talk about some Black Friday horrors. 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 Um, we do have an announcement yes. before we dive in. So next week, so the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, we will not have an episode. We're taking a break for the Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, this will just give us time to spend with our family without having to worry about researching and doing the extra editing that we would typically do. So sorry for those of you who excitedly wait by your phones for our new episode to release. <laughs> You will have to survive a week without us. Most of you, if you listen, talk to us outside of this. So you will hear our voices anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is true. You know what? Replay an old episode. Yeah, go listen to the West Memphis 3 episode. That was a long time ago. <laughs> You'll get lots of comfort from us in that one. Or, yeah. I don't know, maybe we'll release an unedited version of one of God Help Us. One of our old, like, very first episode that we never never, released released. probably not but you know maybe (laughs) i don't even want to have to go back and listen to it to edit it because i'm sure it sounds awful no it would be unedited just it's pure raw glory oh jeez maybe one day for like a bonus episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right well pam is going to go first again this week pam are you ready i am i'm going to tell you an awful story today an awesome story Awful story. Awful. Are you what is that ready? From? No, Carl. 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 That <laughs> kills people. That's fitting for this too. Oh, is it? Yes. All right. Okay. So I'm taking you to Florida because you know when I see a Thanksgiving case that involves a Florida man, I'm gonna do it. Absolutely. So when Paul Michael Murhege, that's how you say his last name, was in high school, he was a normal guy. He graduated from an expensive private school called Gullivere Prep. So you know if it's a prep school, it's fancy. Oh, for sure. It's in Jupiter, Florida. Jupiter? Mm -hmm. That'd be a fun place to live. Like just something called Jupiter. He graduated third from his class. And I was going to say, I thought we sent boys to Jupiter to get more stupider. But apparently not this guy. I wouldn't say so. He played football, baseball, and soccer, and he led the French Honor Society. Classmates remember him as being driven and mature, handsome and fit, personable but quiet. He was well-liked, maybe not what you would consider popular. He was more of like the nice, smart kid. But so in people general, knew him and people liked him. Yeah. Yeah. But not like one of like the popular kids. Yeah. Just well tolerated. Yeah. One of his old football coaches, Bob Schwild, said, I thought he'd be running a company or a business or something like that. It seemed like he just had everything going for him while other people were still kind of fuddling around. 
Fuddling is the technical term. Fuddling. Which is that I something all... we still do? No. <laughs> I think all teenagers fuddle. <laughs> so for one of them to stand out above the rest as being like mature and with like knows what's going on, it sticks out because most teenagers don't have a clue what's going on. Was he just like goal oriented or like just self aware of the world? Goal oriented. Okay. Apparently he was driven. He was a kicker on the football team and the coach had said that it's not something that you could teach and practice. It was more of a skill and that he would practice on his own. And his plans for after high school were going to the University of Miami to become a doctor. So yeah, he was his goal. Like he knew what he wanted to do. All right. Yeah. Jacqueline Kirtley, an old classmate of Paul's, remembers that he was kind and he was funny. She joked about how he was afraid of losing his hair, even at such a young age. So he started to use Rogaine as a precautionary measure. Oh, no. (laughs) Poor thing. You know, I went to high school with a guy who, by our junior year, was already shaving his head because he legit had the, like, you know, bald bowl on top of his head. That stinks. <laughs> it does. And when we were 16, 17, dude was already balding. But he was and also I, massive, so people didn't want to make fun of him for it because right. he would get violent. So, I mean, I guess if you get picked on, just become violent and people will stop. I don't think that's the solution. <laughs> <laughs> um, follow along for more life advice. In her 1992 graduating yearbook, Paul had written... You better watch out with those northern guys. For some reason, I don't think they have what it takes to treat a girl right. He then congratulated her on getting into MIT and complimented her personality and praised her zest to experience life in every way. Do I smell no an obsession brewing? No, no, no. No obsession. Okay. She was just mentioning how he was just a nice guy and oh, right. it was kind of funny. Yeah. So speaking of this yearbook... Paul had a unique senior page because you know how in some schools the seniors get like a page and they can put what they want in there. Yeah, full page or not half page. And yeah, mom not put. one that like the parents buy for the kid, but when the seniors, I guess, especially if this private school is probably a very small class. Mm. So the seniors each have their own page. Oh no, mom, we had to buy ours. Yeah, so that's like different. And mom so, used a really terrible picture of me and I can't remember which one it is, but I remember being mad at her at the time because she sent the pictures in for it. Yeah. So this is different. This was something each senior had like their own spotlight page, probably because it was such a small class. So most kids would use their page to, you know, joke about finally being free or how they're going to miss their friends or talk about like detention or stuff like that. But he dedicated his senior page to all, quote, 32 members of his family. He mentioned his twin sisters, saying, I have been so lucky to be blessed with having twin sisters and being your protective older brother. And to his parents, he said, Mom and Dad, thank you for all that you have given me. And he concluded the page saying, I love you now and will forever. But apparently forever only lasts about 17 years. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he started out sweet because that's a really precious thing to put in your book. (laughs) Yeah, it takes a turn. (laughs) So at 35 years old, Paul was basically estranged from his family other than his parents. 
Court doc- documents show that Paul and his siblings had faced their fair share of disputes. And siblings, I mean his twin sisters. Around 1999-ish, Paul had sought protection from law enforcement after accusing his sister of trying to kill him. However, a few weeks later, he dropped the request. Then in 2006, his sister Carla requested a restraining order against him, saying that he had threatened to slit her throat, and then he shot himself in a supposed suicide attempt. Whoa. Yeah, but much like before, the request was dropped a few weeks later. Which I think that's somewhat common with family disputes. Yeah. Other families talk them into, their blood, you gotta blah, 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 and so they drop the... Right, yeah. Restraining orders. I wonder where, what what happened to cause such a big turn? Well, after graduation from the University of Miami, he never held a job and was supported by his parents, who said that he had suffered from OCD and chronic depression. And I did read in one thing that he started showing signs in college, which is normal for mm-hmm. mental illnesses to arise at one, that age, whether you're in college or not. into just the change of stress stress, and the new living situation and whatever for these things to pop up. So he just had a really adverse reaction to stress? Was there any other trauma? No, not that I could find. Knew about. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Which there's actually stuff later on that I didn't write down, but maybe I'll remember to tell you, but I don't want to tell you yet. Okay. So when Thanksgiving of 2009 rolled around, it was no surprise that Paul was not on the invite list. In fact, the Sittens, which is Paul's cousin and and her husband, said that the previous year, that if Paul was invited, that they would cancel it altogether. They're like, if you you invite him, like, we're just not even going to do it. I mean, maybe you can use his OCD to get the kitchen clean? I mean, come on. I don't think it's that type of OCD. Oh, well, like, I think he ba- he would bathe and shower excessively. excessively. Yeah. yeah. So attending this Thanksgiving were Muriel and Jim Sitton and their six-year-old daughter, Michaela. This was at their house. Muriel's parents were Dr. Anthony Joseph and his wife, Raymond. I believe that's how you say it. I did a pronunciation. It's French. I probably butchered it, but that's what it said. <laughs> and then Carol Maybe. and Michael... Maybe throw an uh-huh-huh uh-huh. in there. <laughs> Carol and Michael Mirhinge and their twin daughters, Carla and Lisa, and Lisa's husband, Patrick. So, like, just to break it up. Yeah. Paul's mom, mom, is the aunt of the husband that is hosting Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. Right. That We're going to try and follow along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, basically, the family hosting... The husband's mom. I lost it. I lost it. <laughs> she doesn't know either, listeners. It's fine to be confused. I'm trying to remember if it was his mom or his dad. No, the dad's last name's Joseph. Yeah. Okay, so the family hostings, the husband's dad is Paul's mom's brother. <laughs> okay. So the hosting family and Paul are cousins. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's, it gets confusing when you're doing, like, families, like, broken yeah. up like that weird. Well, because they branch, and then the, the last names change based mm-hmm. off if it's on the husband's Marriage. or the wife's side. Yeah. yeah. So they are side. all related. So the, they're all, they're all related. It just, when it was listed out in the court, the court documents, I was like, wait, 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 wait. How's <laughs> this, how's this connected? One, one, one more again. 
So I, I read somewhere that there's actually 16 people in attendance, but we're just focusing on those that I told you about. Okay. So Muriel, the hostess, had not seen her cousin Paul in 12 years. Oh. And they like they made clear he wasn't invited. Awkward. He had demonstrated, he had long demonstrated violent and aggressive behavior with threats of violence and death to his family men- members, especially his uncle Antony, which is her father. And his sister, Carla. So he's threatened them many of yeah. times. Paul's parents, Carol and Michael, invited him to the dinner without informing either the Sittens or the Josephs. Ooh, no. Yeah. So they did not know Post he was going to be in attendance. Dinner, like, right. <laughs> Mr. They didn't know that he was going to be there until she actually heard Michael on the phone giving Paul directions to her home. And that's oh. when she found out. And he was, like, close. Like, he wasn't, like, an hour away. Like, he was in the neighborhood. Close. Nah, go ahead and call the police because someone about to be in my house that I did not invite. Yeah. They just didn't want any drama. Go ahead and get the drama out the way. And then enjoy <laughs> yeah. your dinner. Well, leading up to Thanksgiving Day, Carol had actually emailed a friend saying, Everyone's going up, including Paul. It'll be interesting, to say the least. And then she told her daughter, Lisa, as well as her friend, she said, I hope he doesn't come and kill us all tonight. And Lisa responded, (laughs) Mom, it came to my mind, but don't say that to Dad, because Dad would get upset that we had such ideas. So it was kind of like a he's crazy, but also like a joke type thing, but also like not. So like it's one of those in hindsight type things that you question a bit more. Like it's he's crazy, but that's just Paul. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Basically what it was. Just like the other day, you mentioned something about me killing David. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, today's the day. It's funny, but if he had died that night, (laughs) that would have been brought into question. Man, she must have really snapped. I also, as a, you know, great best friend, offered to help you murder him. Mm -hmm. Y'all, she said, um, David infuriated her. And I said, do I need to cut him? I didn't even ask why first. My my first offer was to cut him. So had he died that night. Because I'm, you know, a great friend and all. We would be in trouble. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) They'd be checking my travel logs. Like, no, I showed up to work that next day, okay? He is alive and well. He's watching The Office in the living room right now. Is he, though? Or is is he? he? I promise I didn't bury him in the backyard because I am not digging a hole. No, there's 0% chance. She will sooner dump him in like a little swamp lake thing for the alligators to eat. Even then, that's a lot of work. I mean, yeah, I was going to say good luck dragging him because he's not a small boy. Say he's not a small boy. He's not a dainty thing. (laughs) You're going to have to come help me. (laughs) (laughs) You just, you know, tell Aiden that you have this heavy luggage that needs throwing away. No, you don't want to implicate Aiden in that. Just kidding. The fact that you think that my son could carry more than I could is what's funny. No, you would have to, like... Teamwork? Yeah. Maybe chop him in half or or quarters or something. That's too much work. We need to come up with a better plan before this actually happens. (laughs) Less work. No, no, no. Okay, I got... Well, no, I don't want to say it on the podcast because then I'll give away your... Yeah, don't tell anybody. Anyway... So when Paul arrived, I'm sure there was some awkwardness, because of course there was, 
But, you know, they're all adults. They can be in the same room and get along fine. Mm. According to Jim Sitton, there were no arguments. They all enjoyed three hours of Thanksgiving Day in the Sitton's upscale home in a gated beach town just north of Miami. They sang songs, they played the piano. Little Michaela wrote on cards how thankful she was for her family and hung them all on a clothesline. And then after dinner, she sang songs for them all, giving them a little sneak peek of her performance of the Nutcracker that she was to be in the next day. And she even recited Psalm 100 for the family before heading off to bed. And Psalm 100 reads? I don't know. Bam. (laughs) Those psalms are long. (laughs) (laughs) okay fine i won't make you read it listeners you have homework thanks to pam oh it's not long shout for the joy to the lord all the earth worship the lord with gladness come before him with joyful songs know that the lord is god and then it goes on but yeah that's what it is okay it's not long but i'm not gonna read the whole thing to you So all the while, Paul sat there plotting the moment that he would fatally shoot four of those in attendance and wound another. Yikes. At some point, he walked out to his car and grabbed a gun. And when he returned to the home, he immediately killed his aunt, Raymond, and both of his sisters, one of which, Lisa, was pregnant at the time. He then shot his brother-in-law, Patrick. However, he survived, though he was seriously injured and was in a coma until March of the next year. So just under four months, he was in a coma. After attempting to kill Patrick, Paul went into Michaela's room where she slept peacefully in her bed. He shot her, came out, and almost instantly went right back in to shoot her again. How, How old was she? Six. Oh. He then tried to shoot his uncle, Antony, but twice the gun went fire. He turned and started to walk away before saying, I have been waiting to do this for 20 years. Okay, see, that's not fair because the six-year-old had nothing to do with anything. No. She was also just, like, asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not that it's not sad that the other ones got killed, too, because, like, you know it is. But what did the six-year-old do? Mm-hmm. He then fled the home and set off a 38-day manhunt hunt and an episode of America's Most Wanted. Oh. So, you know, cool. <laughs> nice accomplishment there. It was cool. It was cool. <laughs> it was clear to police that Paul had planned this Police attack. just loved it. It was cool to police. They're like, man, this is going to be fun. Such a good job. That's a terrible thing Um, to figure out. (laughs) He had purchased the guns and packed clothes and made a withdrawal of at least $12,000. And I want to know how a man with no job had access to $12,000. Yes, that's what I was about to ask. At least $12,000. How? I guess they're all all a pretty well-off family. Yeah. And his parents support him. So he probably had some sort of like... Trust fund or something something that he was pulling from. No, he saved up all the money from his Christmas cards over the years. Man, if I need $12,000, then I need to start saving my Christmas money. (laughs) No, girl, I don't think the $20 we get in our Christmas card matches the $1,000 he probably gets in his. No. So, Paul was considered armed and dangerous, and he was on the run in his 2007 Royal Blue Toyota Camry. 
and there was quickly a reward set for information on his whereabouts for $10,000 that was later increased to $100,000. Paul, you gotta get rid of that car, my dude. You, you're, not, you're not hiding anywhere in that thing. He did ironically shave his head <laughs> as a disguise, but since he was <laughs> okay. so scared of losing his hair as a teenager. <laughs> that is funny. On January 2nd, a... Did I say that weird? January? <laughs> January 2nd. A tip came in that a car matching Paul's had been parked outside of the Edgewater Lodge in the Florida Keys. When the tipster described the car, he gave the tags, and U.S. Mar- US Marshals <laughs> discovered that the tag on the car was previously registered to one of Paul's old vehicles, and so they knew that this was not a false alarm. So he did change the tags, and he actually tried to cover up his car with a like a car cover in the hotel parking, but I mean... Yeah. Someone still saw it. Saw it. When deputies, wow, you're doing great today, Pam. Has anyone told you that? Yeah, you're just I appreciate awesome. It. When deputies talked to the hotel staff, they learned that the man had been hiding out in this location since December second, so for a full month, and he had paid in cash and would pay at least two weeks in advance. So I'm guessing those people just didn't watch the news, or something, <laughs> or they're but. seeing. You know, they just don't all, recognize that it's the same guy. Well, also paying in all cash, they're probably not paying attention because you don't have well, to document not, things that are paying card. cash. You think they still have to? Never mind. I guess they can put a fake name, but you think? When I say this was 2010, no. so I don't know about like an ID or anything on. Um, I, I would know. think even then you would you would have to present an ID. Because I've paid in cash before, and they photocopied my ID so that they could hold me responsible for any damages to the room. Because this was, like, way before I ever had credit card or really used my banking account for much. But even then, it was, like, an Econo Lodge. It wasn't... I wasn't staying at the Holiday Inn. Yeah, I don't know. Hotel Holiday Inn. I don't know how they... Because he'd been there for, like, a month, so I'm not sure. But, anyway, the Florida Regional Fugitive Task Force... That's a mouthful of a name. Yeah. Was ready to move into Paul's room on the second floor of the lodge. When they burst in, Paul was on the computer, unsuspecting and unarmed. He was arrested and taken to the Palm Beach County Jail. In October 2011, nearly two years after the slings, 37-year-old Paul pleaded guilty to the four counts of first-degree murder and three counts of attempted first-degree murder and forfeited any appeals to avoid the death sentence. So this is where I'm going to add in that stuff I said earlier that I didn't write down. Because since I didn't write it, there's not really a place to put it. Okay. Had he gone to trial, they were going to, of course, use insanity plea. And I did read when he was younger, I guess one of his aunts maybe killed her whole family. Oh. And then herself. I read that or something. I don't remember if she killed herself or not. But they were going to use like, you know... Part of his psychological is he had seen that, and then he had all these mental illnesses, and that was the plan. So, it says three counts of attempted. So, he killed the four people, and I think they're doing the attempted, because he shot the one guy in the stomach, and he was in a coma. And I think the other two attempts of first-degree murder are when he pulled the trigger at his uncle, and they failed both times. But the gun didn't fire, or he just missed? The gun didn't fire twice. Okay, yeah. So those, that's the other two attempts at first-degree murder. Absolutely. Throw those in there. Yeah, why not? Well, I mean, he would have 
legitimately he would have shot him had yeah yeah i also like that they included the part about forfeiting his appeals yeah because they don't always include that and despite taking a plea deal they'll try to like run around and say the the, i didn't understand the terms yeah I didn't, I didn't understand the clearly stated terms of this plea deal. I wouldn't have pled that way, even though I am yeah. guilty and we all know it now. Like, I like that they included the part like, no, you lose your appeals. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, there was 16 people there. So there were still quite a few witnesses, too, mm-hmm. against him mm-hmm. that weren't killed or shot at. So right, no point in fighting it. Like, yeah. you've been got but anyway, you know how normally, like, you know, the court takes into consideration the victim's feelings on plea deals. But, like, mm-hmm. in the end, it's still the whoever, the DA's or whoever decision. Well, they were still giving him life. The deal was just to avoid the death penalty. Yeah. Well, so Patrick, who was shot in the stomach and was in a coma, and he's also the one who lost his pregnant wife. Oh. Um, he wanted to accept the deal. He said he just wanted to pick up the pieces and he didn't want to endure 20 years of appeals. He was just ready to be done with it yeah. and move on. However, Jim Sitton, the father of Michaela, wanted to continue with the scheduled January trial so that Paul would potentially face the death penalty. He begged the judge to delay the sentencing so that he could prepare a proper presentation with an attorney to detail his arguments. But near the end of his statement, he, like, kneeled to the ground and was holding a large picture of his daughter, begging the judge. And the judge was like, stop. And so, like, I think he was just, like, done with it. But the judge said no. Jim told the judge, this plea decision is far too important to rush through without any time for us, for all of us, to think. We've been waiting patiently for almost two years for this case to come to trial. Justice is what is at stake here. So two years wasn't long enough for all of you to come to a common ground I think it was because this was in October, so nearly two years after the murders. When was the plea presented? The trial in October, and the trial was supposed to take place in January. And so they were this whole time expecting there to be a trial, Mm, and then mm -hmm. they presented the plea. Okay. And so... That makes sense. So they only had a few months... They didn't have much time to consider if they wanted to accept the plea or not. Okay. Okay, because they didn't know Um, there would be a plea until, you know, too short of a time before the trial would have started. Okay, all right, all right. State Attorney Michael McAlfie said that after careful evaluation and consideration, he decided to accept the plea and is determined it is an appropriate resolution to the case. He said Paul will have no hope in having favorable rulings by a court and will have no ability to affect the lives of those he harmed. So he was like, you know, I understand that the family has differing opinions on this, but I think that this is the best solution to this right now. Because obviously he's going to be convicted, so I think it's also why spend the money on a trial. Right. When he's going to be convicted. Well, also... He has a history of, like, exhibiting signs of different mental illnesses. So you also run Mm -hmm. the risk of, instead of him being put in a prison system, he could be put in a state psychiatric system, like facility, rather. So that's entirely likely. Like, yes, you're guilty and you need to go away, but not to jail, to a mental facility, which is 
not the same caliber of treatment. Like, it's not the same thing. So, right. but it is Florida, so I doubt that would have happened. <laughs> he probably would have gotten the that death is penalty. That's not. A I don't know though. Maybe you wouldn't have got the death penalty because the Parkland shooter recently didn't get the death penalty, and I was very surprised hmm. about that. Florida's gone soft. Liberal times, Pam. Florida is like one of the least liberal states. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but yeah, That's what I'm saying it's liberal times. Um, but anyway, Palm Beach County Circuit Judge Joseph Marks sentenced Paul to seven consecutive life terms, telling him, you'll never see the light of day. In 2013 or 14, I believe, when I looked at the one of the court documents, it said 2014, but I don't know when this actually all started. Mm-hmm. But Muriel and Jim, as well as Muriel's dad, filed a negligence suit against Paul's parents, Carol and Michael claiming that not only did they know that their son was planning to attend the gathering at the Sitton's house, uninvited and unannounced, but that they also had some sense that he might kill people that day, and they purposely chose not to tell them. So they were using her statements of, hopefully he doesn't come and kill us all. Oh. (laughs) Against her. I get it, but they also lost a daughter. Two daughters. Unborn grandchild. That's what I was going to say. And, uh, and like her sister-in-law. And yeah. Now their I mean, they in lost prison. family too. They so lost they, a lot. If they legitimately thought that he was going to murder them. Like it's a morbid joke. Like it's people see. And I hate this because people do this to law enforcement all the time. Coping yes. with trauma is difficult. The one way, one way that people cope is with humor. So you mm-hmm. make light of really serious situations to help yourself cope with them yeah if you can laugh a little you're not spending the whole time crying instead you know what i'm saying so like that's what they were doing they were making light of a serious situation to help them cope with the fact that he was coming yeah but i do like they did purposely not tell them that he was coming that's because they would have been told no which is which is a Mm -hmm. shitty thing to do but it doesn't mean that they knew or that he was gonna come murder people well it this ended up being denied because basically paul was an adult they weren't responsible for what he did as a 35 year old man um i wish i could tell you more but i couldn't read the full article without buying a subscription so (laughs) all i can tell you is that and they appealed and it was denied again so but i did want to throw that in there that they did try to sue them or they they, i guess they did sue them well one day when pam and i are wildly famous and we can buy all the subscriptions (laughs) yeah advertisers pay us to do this or we get a patreon and you know you guys give us money um we can afford all the subscriptions we'll get newspapers.com which is a Mm -hmm. super awesome resource but it's also like what 20 bucks a month something like that something like that and we already pay for things yeah yeah (laughs) it's not like we don't pay for things we already pay for things (laughs) um Um, hate to say that we're cheap it's just because we're broke we definitely already pay like 60 bucks a month for things to keep between the two of us yeah yeah so all right let me keep going i'm almost done okay in 2019, 10 years after the murders, WPTV interviewed Jim Sitton and his wife, Muriel, to look back on the worst day of their lives. They're the ones, again, who hosted it and whose daughter was murdered. The little daughter. 
That's Muriel so says she would have been 16 going on 17. I can't believe it's been 10 years. Sometimes it feels like yesterday. Other times it feels like it's been one long marathon. Jim said after the murders, all the joy and laughter and little girl g- giggles left us a cold, empty house. They decided that they wanted to move on and not live in this tragedy. And so they decided to try to have another child. And in 2012, they welcomed Natalia Grace. And two years later, Raya was born. Muriel Can you says, imagine being the child that follows a murdered child? Because you know they're going to be like uber obsessive and protective over they did say that they homeschooled them um i don't i don't know if if michaela was homeschooled and then they said that they're very aware of their sister though like that's not something they try to keep from them Mm -hmm. so they know who their sister was but it's like i feel like i feel like if if this were me but this is hard though because it's not like she died at like some like event or something she died in their home by a family member yeah so just, I would be uber paranoid and like super extra protective and like they wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> you know, like you don't want to make their life miserable, but you also don't want to lose another one. Because I mean, like, yes, I joke that like, oh, you just have a replacement child, but there's really no replacement for no, a child. That's not how that works. <laughs> you know? So... Muriel said, it's a tremendous blessing to be able to be a mother again. Having these two girls every day, it's a reminder, again, of God's grace. When asked why they stayed in their home, Jim said that one awful night does not erase the years of happiness they spent with Michaela in their home. He said, now I couldn't even think of leaving. I don't think it's possible to leave this house. You leave this house and you leave all of those memories. You staying or you going? I have no idea. I'm probably going. I think so, too. Like I mean, it's I hard can... to say not in the situation, but I don't know if I could stay. Right. Because I don't think my mem- like, I would still have my memories not being in the house. Somewhere else, yeah. I don't yeah, think I could I'd... not see those things every time I looked at that space. Yeah. I would either do that, or I would be the parents that, like, keeps the room exactly how it is and never <laughs> touch anything. Like, there's no in-between. Just, like, that moldy sandwich that he threw under his bed is still there still there 10 years years later yeah Mm -hmm. when asked if they had forgiven paul they said we're christians and without our faith in christ and his strength i don't think we would have been able to make it and i know we wouldn't have been married muriel says he's just given me the ability to move forward and when Mm -hmm. those memories come i am able to not crumble like i did in the early days Jim continued saying, forgiveness. In in the beginning, it wasn't even an option for me. How can that be forgiven? But I still wrestle with the rage inside that comes back. And you forgive again. You forgive and rage and forgive again. And God's not finished with me yet. But we're so much further along in the journey than we were back then. And I like that. He's the first one that hasn't pretended to just completely forgive and move on. Oh, I forgive you for murdering my child. Like that's not. uh, So I like that he like verbalized or vocalized his like cycle of, you know, forgiveness is something you having to forgive and forgive again. Yeah. Something you have to constantly strive for. It's not just like a you're forgiven and then that's it forever because that's not how human emotions work. Right. But that's my Thanksgiving Day case. 
That was delightful. It was between that and a woman who killed her husband and ate him for Thanksgiving, and I decided I could not <laughs> do, do that. <laughs> do another cannibalism? I could not. Um, we have been, we, namely me, have been covering uh, a lot of cannibalism lately. Yeah, I could not do it again. I mean, I can't help but it exists out there. Well, what do you got for us? Rhonda's going to bore us to death. Okay, so I told Pam that I was doing a little bit of, like, a history lesson here. And she told me that she was going to tune out halfway during my case. So... I'm already not listening to you. There will be a (laughs) quiz at the end. I don't care. I'm grown. All right. So the first recorded use of the term Black Friday actually wasn't even Thanksgiving related. It was first applied to a financial crisis, specifically the crash of the U.S. gold market on Friday, September 24th, 1869. A pair of notoriously ruthless Wall Street finance moguls, Jay Gould and Jim Fisk, teamed up and bought as much of the nation's gold as possible. Their plan was to drive prices up sky high and then sell the gold for, like, ridiculous profits. Oh, it's like the um, the GameStop plot um, thing that happened yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. What's the stocks? The stocks. I don't understand stocks, but that's basically what they did. That It was planned. Yeah, that's what they wanted to do. So their conspiracy unraveled on that previously normal Friday in September, sending the stock market into a free fall, which bankrupted everyone from Wall Street moguls to farmers. So that was the first recorded use of the term Black Friday. The most widely accepted story behind Black Friday, um, the one that we all know today, is in short that retailers wanted a chance to make more money and that it was supposed to help the economy. So when the economy wasn't doing well, stores would operate in the red for most of the year and would supposedly earn a profit or operate in the black on the day after Thanksgiving, Friday, Black Friday. Apparently, there was some unwritten rule that stores would let shoppers enjoy their holidays before stuffing holiday stale, stales, before stuffing holiday sales down their throats. While this is the officially sanctioned version of the origins behind Black Friday, it is not the most historically accurate. In more recent years, another myth has come to light, which gives an ugly twist to the coined term. This myth claims that back in the 1800s, Southern plantation owners could buy slaves at a discounted rate on the day after Thanksgiving. And apparently this has led to some boycotting of the holiday, despite the lack of evidence to support this claim. Which, honestly, people are not selling anything at a discounted rate, especially when it comes to other people. So... Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can buy this person for half, buy one, get one, BOGO. Right, just because it's the day after a holiday. I can guarantee you that's not how it worked. The only way that someone would be sold, and this is terrible, but they would be sold at a discounted rate is if they were like deformed. So yeah. they work half as effectively, you can get, mm-hmm. you know, $10 off. It's awful. The real history behind Black Friday is not as sunny as retailers would like for you to believe. It 
does not refer to the way retailers go finally go into the black. In fact, most stores operate in the black basically year-round these days. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to survive at all in current economy. Historically, the term black is applied to an event to mark some kind of misfart misfortune. <laughs> A misfortune. <laughs> to mark some kind of misfortune that has accompanied it. Black Saturday refers to a string of bushfires in Australia that killed hundreds. Black Sunday is aptly named to mark a devastating dust storm in the U.S. that led to massive economic and agricultural damage. There's even a Black Monday, which marks a stock market crash in 1987, along with a Black Tuesday, another stock market stock market crash. I'm struggling with that one. Um, but this one was the beginning, like the starting link that led to a chain of events that led to the Great Depression. Black Wednesday refers to the collapse of the English pound in the 1990s. And to bring us full circle, Black Thursday marks another stock market calamity. Black Friday has its own cloud of despair unrelated to the one that we're going to discuss today. Um, it's actually another name used for the day Christ was murdered by the Roman government. So how, pray tell, did a day prefixed with black become twisted into a day where so many brave the cold to stand in lines for hours on end in search of over-advertised deals? I mean, what other time of the year can you get $300 off of that big screen that you've been eyeing all year? Do you go Black Friday shopping? No. We do. <laughs> I don't have the patience for it. It's not that It's not that bad. I, it's not as bad anymore. Back before when we were kids, it was like crazy yes. town. So it's not I that remember bad one year, and it's when Circuit City still existed. Yeah. We wanted a new TV, like a new big screen. And this is when big screens were like stupid expensive. Because now you can get like a 60 inch for $500. Mm-hmm. At that time, they were like $2,000. So we wanted a new big screen, and there was a Circuit City in Hattiesburg. And not only was it Black Friday, but they were also having a going-out-of-business sale. So literally everything was marked down. And when I tell you we stood in that stupid line for hours before the store even opened, and then we get in there, and there's hundreds of people running around. We waited like two hours in line just to check out, and... We got, which I will say, I did get several CDs that I wanted that mom wouldn't normally let me buy, but they were like $3. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there was that. But I never went black shopping or black Friday shopping again ever since. I was like, I went the first time I went and refused to go. The first time I went, Aiden was young. I was probably like 19, but he was young enough that I took him with me and bought all of his presents. And by the time Christmas came, he had forgot. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> he yeah. had them, which yeah. of course now I can't do. He was but like me two, and David always go. Yeah, me and David always go, and we enjoy it. And it's just not crazy now, especially after COVID. It's not that crazy. Mm-hmm. But we go and we'll spend like a good chunk of the morning shopping and get most, if not all, of our Christmas shopping done. And then we come home and we eat leftover Thanksgiving, and then we take a nap, and it's a good day. <laughs> it's a good day for all. I prefer to utilize online deals. And I have to leave my house. Wait in line either. Or put on clothes or shower or do any. I just sit on my couch or in my bed. We have fun. I guess we make a day out of it. I just, I don't have, 
the patience for it. And I'll tell you like some crazy stories to follow here in a little bit and some gross things that people do for Black Friday. Anyway, the Black Friday, as we all know it, got its start in the 1950s when police officers in Philadelphia used the term to describe the chaos that wreaked havoc on the city each year on the day after Thanksgiving. Hordes of suburban shoppers would flood into the city in advance of the Army-Navy football game held on that Saturday every year. Nothing like some foosball after Thanksgiving foosball. dinner. Foosball. Is That's the Army-Navy game really, really always that same Saturday? I guess. Maybe not anymore. I have no idea. Because I, I don't care. Because I know now there's a big Thanksgiving Day game. But I guess huh. it, I don't know, it used to be held. But I don't know when the Army-Navy game is. I, I watch football every year. I just don't keep up with it. I'm kidding. I watch football way more often than I care mm-hmm. to. <laughs> but I also don't, like, watch football. You know what I no, mean? No, football plays in your house more yes. often than you care for. Yeah. That does not mean you watch it. I will say, though, I am very lucky because he does watch Ole Miss, which is really the only time that football's on in our house. Mm-hmm. Well, I just sit there and I play on my phone or my laptop. And then when David goes, yeah, I go, yeah. Woo! And then just keep doing what, I'm, <laughs> what right. I was doing. Just there. I just support, in support, I support yeah. him. All right. Well, Philly cops were essentially voluntold that they had to work that Friday. So no day off for you, sir. But they also had to work extra long hours, despite their regularly scheduled 12-hour shift, because working literally half the day isn't enough sometimes. They had to deal with massively large crowds and horrific traffic. Shoplifters, forever looking for a chance to take advantage, saw it in all the chaos and would make off with an undocumentable amount of merchandise, only adding to the need for extra police presence and further cementing officers' distaste for that dreadful day. I want to tell you, being voluntold to work super long shifts sucks. Because when I worked football games for the university, I would work my normal shift, which is 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., or typically they would have us, like at 3 p.m., our shift would end, the night shift would come in early, and then we would go to work the football game until like uh, 10, 11 o'clock sometimes. So I would end up working from 6 a.m. until 11 p.m. And it's too much. While I don't mind the overtime because, you know, money, it, it sucks. By the time you get home and then I have to be up at 4 a.m. to get ready for work for the next day, it was terrible. It's like four hours you just of sleep, sleep in your car on campus. I mean, give me a dorm or something. But it was like, let me work, what, let's see, an 18, 19 hour a day, drive an hour home, get four hours of sleep, get up and then work another 12 hours. So like, you want to know why your officer was really cranky when they pulled you over that day? I'll tell you why. (laughs) And you give them a gun and say, here you go. (laughs) Don't shoot anybody. Um, honestly, I was very unproductive on those days. So, like, you wouldn't catch me working if I didn't have to. You're not to. pulling anybody over unless they're <clears throat> really doing something right. wrong. Right. Or yeah. you call, I get sent to a call. But even then, like, I'm not bubbly like I normally am. I'm like, what do you need? 
which you really try not to be that way. But when you're functioning off small amounts of sleep, sometimes it just is what it is. All right. Well, the aptly named Black Friday that we all know and love, or at the very least take advantage of, was in fact coined by law enforcement. By 1961, the term had caught on in Philadelphia, and with retailers constantly looking for a way to exploit consumers out of their money, they tried to give the day a sunnier disposition by rebranding it as Big Friday in an attempt to to remove the negative connotation, which, of course, didn't catch on. The term didn't spread to the rest of the U.S. until much later. As recently as 1985, it was not in common use nationwide. However, sometime in the late 80s, retailers found a way to reinvent Black Friday and turn it into something, something that reflected more positively on, their, on them and their customers. The result was the red-to-black concept of the holiday and the notion that the day after Thanksgiving marked the occasion when America's stores finally turned a profit. The Black Friday story stuck, and pretty soon the term's darker roots in Philadelphia were largely forgotten. Since then, the one-day deal has morphed into a multi-day bonanza with days like Small Business Saturday slash Sunday and Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday. Mm -hmm. Where will they end? They don't. Not really. Not until weeks after the new year when retailers finally stop extending their sales for one day only and let us exist in peace. Don't you love that? It's like limited time deal. And then you get an email the next day. It's like, it's extended one more day. And then you get an email the next day. Two more days of sales. Yeah. Well, like, most time Black Friday starts like a week in advance now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, retailers depended so heavily on this shopping day that they had the audacity to, pre- to petition President Roosevelt to move the Thanksgiving holiday up giving them an extra week of holiday sales. Did you know Why this? you just not move the day of the sale? <laughs> like, just move the day of the sale. Because that was gauche, Pam. In August of 1939, the general manager of Retail Dry Goods Association, which is a terrible name for a business, warned the Secretary of Commerce that the late calendar date of Thanksgiving that year, which would have been November 30th, could possibly have a devastating effect on retail sales. That year, there were five Thursdays in the month of November, which apparently was unacceptable. See, at that time, it was considered bad form for retailers to bypass Thanksgiving and display Christmas decorations or have Christmas sales ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. This phenomena today is referred to as Christmas creep. So as we all know, creep. Yeah, the Christmas creep. I'm a creep. Oh, okay. Never mind. Different (laughs) kind of creep. I'm a weirdo. Like creeping up on something. Yes. So as we know, they start with Christmas the day after Thanksgiving. Matter of fact, like the week of November first. Or did I say Halloween? I meant Halloween. Yeah, November first. They start because I went shopping on November first, and there was Christmas music. Yes, they start Christmas, like, during the week of Halloween, which is yeah. just rude. It's just rude. I have not decorated yet, just so you know. Good. Good for you. 
I will be decorating soon. Yeah, you can do it the day after Thanksgiving. I put up my tree last year, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and you know what? My turkey tastes the same. I doubt it. Its spirit was crushed. Nope. It was already dead. It didn't care. (laughs) Well, like I just said, the Christmas creep is like a common thing these days. But at the time, in the 1940s, it was not a thing that you did. So, in keeping with the custom started by President Lincoln in 1863, Thanksgiving was to be observed on the last Thursday in November. But by late August of 1939, FDR had decided to declare November 23rd, which was the second to last Thursday, as Thanksgiving of that year. FDR's attempt to support retailers and thus the economy had an immediate adverse reaction. So Alf Landon, who was Roosevelt's Republican challenger in the preceding election, called the declaration, quote, another illustration of the confusion which Roosevelt's impulsiveness has caused so frequently during his administration. If the change has any merit at all, more time should have been taken working it out. Instead of springing it upon an unprepared country with the omnipotence of a Hitler. Which, sir, is a little extreme. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call you little. Hitler because you tried to change the day of Thanksgiving this year. And I don't like it. It's not quite on the same scale. <laughs> we called him of a Hitler, not just the Hitler. So, like, mm-hmm. Hitler-esque behavior. Right. Like a step below. So... Not all critics were political opponents of the president, but in most parts of New England, which was then still a Republican stronghold. Hey, Rhonda, did you know that New England's not a state? I did know that. Did you? I did. I don't remember what episode it was we talked about that. I wish I could remember. (laughs) But I knew it then, too. Um, She says. I did. Anyway, that area was also (laughs) vocally against it. James Frazier, who is the chairman of the, wait, who is the chairman of the Selectmen of Plymouth, Massachusetts, who, as we know, was the first location to celebrate Thanksgiving, he said that he, quote, heartily disapproved. Heartily, just like heartedly or heartily? Heartily. Okay. Heartily, like wholeheartedly disapproved. So this short notice change, because he didn't alert people until the end of October. So they had weeks, just a few weeks notice. Sounds like something Hitler would do. That is very Hitler-esque, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it affected the holiday plans for millions of Americans. For example... Many college football teams routinely ended their seasons with rival with rivalry games on Thanksgiving and had scheduled them that year for the last day in November. So what were they to do? I could just play the football move. game on your day. No, you gotta move you've gotta move the football game 
because it's got to take place after Thanksgiving. And if Thanksgiving is early, then the football game has to be early and people already have plans for that weekend. I'd be more concerned about like, like people's jobs who plan to be off on Thanksgiving Day and that really screwing things up there more than I'd be concerned about college football. So a few states had answers for this, and I'll get into that in just a moment. So they had scheduled them that year for the last day in November, and some athletic conferences had rules permitting games only through the Saturday following Thanksgiving. And if the date were changed, then many of these teams were going to play for empty stadiums because people didn't have time to adjust their plans. Oh, man. Then the stadiums couldn't sell their $20 hamburger and beers. Correct. Which is just a try. You know what? One time we went to a Memphis game at, it had been in Tampa because it was at the Buccaneers Stadium, but I don't remember what school it was. um, What team you playing? I don't know. Some Florida school that plays at the Buccaneer Stadium. Anyway, I got a pretzel and like three drinks and it was $40. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is stupid. Yeah. Madness. Has nothing to do with your case, but I'm re-upset about it. Um, It kind of does have to do with the overall impression that I'm leaving here about um, commercialism. Do they give you a deal on Thanksgiving football games? Do you get a price like a special price on your concessions at the games you're talking about if you have to work them no 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 or just in general go on thanksgiving i wouldn't imagine because who wants to cut profits for any reason at all yeah unless it's some big scheme to bring more people in to make more profits which is what black friday is Mm -hmm. the change also caused problems for college registrars schedulers and calendar Mm -hmm. makers the makers Ooh, I didn't even think about the calendar makers affected because the calendars are done printed. They've They're, done been out for eleven months. They've been been out. Yeah, they've they've been been out. You can't recall all those calendars. They're gonna have to. They got to put two Thanksgivings <laughs> on there. All right. A late nineteen thirty nine poll indicated that Democrats favored the switch. The switch fifty two percent, while Republicans opposed it by 79%, and that Americans overall opposed the change by 62%. What is not this happy. dumb 40, no, 38% that's like, yeah, let's move Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, the Democrats favored it, 52%. No, you said the overall Americans. Oh, yes, opposed it. Yeah, so that means 38% of them were like, yeah, let's do it. All right, sure, fine, whatever. Well, they were probably the 38% that were business owners or financers that would end up profiting from it. So after announcing on August 31st of 1939 that he would similarly designate November 21st of 1940. Well, at least that gives you a year. Yeah, yeah. That's still pretty late for the calendar printers, though. They've already printed these calendars. This is true. They print them like a year and a half early. Yeah. Because when you buy your planner for the next year, it's got like July through December of the previous year and all of the year that you need the planner for. Yep, they have already printed these calendars. Been, been printed. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Roosevelt issued on October 31st his official proclamation calling for a day of general thanksgiving, which is the way that Lincoln phrased it back in the day, on November 23rd for 1939. This declaration amounted to the to using the moral authority of the presidency, and each state was allowed to independently determine whether they wanted to cancel work for like which day. So 23 states and DC recognized the non-traditional date, while 22 states preserved the traditional date that was gonna be November 30th, and a remaining three states, Colorado, Mississippi, and Texas, gave holidays in both weeks. So those three states were like, you know what? We don't care which day Thanksgiving is on. You can have days off from work on both days. How about that? You decide. We don't care. So what was the whole reason of this again? Because they couldn't do Christmas sales before Thanksgiving and the 30th was too late in the month for them to get a jump start on Christmas. So November of that year had five Thursdays. Yeah. So the last Thursday was. So, So they just needed an extra week of Christmas sales. That's right. So in order to get a whole extra week, they had the president change the day of Thanksgiving. And now they're just like, Black Friday starts a month early. (laughs) Black Friday starts in July. Yeah. Like, how about that? There are no rules anymore, Pam. No rules. It's like the Wild West. Yes. So in 1940, which was the year after the first date change, 32 states and D.C., observed the earlier date on November 21st. 16 states chose um, what some were calling the Republican Thanksgiving on the 28th because Republicans refused to accept the early Thanksgiving. It was to fall on the last Thursday of the month, and that was that. In 1941, so the third year of Thanksgiving change, like date change, The Commerce Department survey found no no significant expansion of retail sales due to the date change. November of that year once again saw 32 states and Washington, D.C. observing the holiday early, while the remaining 16 states did it on the originally set date for Thanksgiving. The whole ordeal caused so much chaos and enraged so many people who called the imposter holiday Franksgiving, that Congress ended up writing a law officially declaring the fourth Thursday in the month of November as the official Thanksgiving holiday. So that is why Thanksgiving is written into law. That is so much. I know. They called it Franksgiving for like Franklin D. Roosevelt. Franksgiving. Yeah. So mad about it. In a number of popular radio shows of the time, such as those featuring Burns and Allen and Jack Benny, I don't know who they are, but they were a big deal. The confusion over when to observe Thanksgiving was a source of jokes. So they made jokes about it on the radio, as well as in the 1940 Warner Brothers Merry Melodies cartoon, Holiday Highlights, 
The introduction to a segment about Thanksgiving shows the holiday falling on two different dates, one for Democrats and one a week later for Republicans. The competing dates for Thanksgiving are also parodied in the 1942 film Holiday Inn. In the film, there's a November calendar that appears in which an animal turkey is seen jumping back and forth between the two weeks until he gives up and shrugs his shoulders at the audience. There's also a Three Stooges film entitled No Census, No Feeling, where Curly makes mention of the 4th of July being held sometime in October. And when Mo questions him about it, Curly simply replies, you never can tell. Look what they did to Thanksgiving. So it was a source of jokes for years to follow. But in the end, retailers came out on top, and every year since, the mayhem surrounding these holiday sales has only gotten more and more chaotic. Black Friday still black blah, blah, blah. stales. Black Friday steals. Stales. I keep wanting to say like stale bread. Stales. Stales. Black Friday sales started taking place earlier and earlier with stores opening their doors at midnight on Friday mornings until eventually doors started opening up as early as 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. Lines would stretch for miles outside of stores, and stories of people criticized for defecating on the sidewalks or in checkout lines for fear of losing their spot began to surface. Have you heard of people doing that? No. It's probably in Florida, though. (laughs) No, girl. There were local stories. There were local stories about, you know, Walmart will let you do layaway, and you can buy your layaway items at the Black Friday sale discounted price on the day of black friday so you have layaway lines that are like ridiculously long so in a local walmart there were stories of people who were literally pissing and shitting in the layaway line because they didn't want to get out of line to use the bathroom and lose their spot that's ridiculous there were people outside of like targets walmart colt wherever that were like outside of the store overnight and didn't have a restroom situation overnight so they would have like buckets to potty in stuff like that that is disgusting yeah maybe that's why me and david like have fun and it's not stressful because if there's like a long line we're just not gonna wait in it we'll just go to a different store Mm -hmm. so because there's nothing that like we have to have we're gonna wait in this line but it's still something fun that we do together because we're like that line's long we're not going in there (laughs) Like, Like we don't stress about it. We're just going and having fun. I read in an article, and I didn't write it down, but I did read in one article that one year Walmart's most sold item was towels. So you figure people take advantage of Black Friday to buy, like, gadgets and electronics, stuff like that that they need. You know what I buy every Black Friday? Tupperware. (laughs) Walmart always has the best deal on Tupperware on Black Friday. See, people are buying, like, more necessity-type things. So Mm -hmm. I understand, like, if you need those things and you can't afford to replace them unless they're on a really good deal, like, that's one thing. But I do not need the new PlayStation enough that I am willing to stand next to someone in line who is literally shitting on the sidewalk. Like, I don't need it. You're not going to get the new PlayStation on Black Friday now anyway. No. Trust me, I know. 
it is strategic to get your hands on those things. My old partner has been trying for a year. And he just... David had two last year. He meant we had two <laughs> in our home. And we ended up selling one of them. No, he had just bought the new one, like the newest one that was out. And then they released the very brand new one. And he had to have it. And he signed up for a service where he would like get a text message when they were releasing a new batch of them. And he said, they sell out so fast. I've been, he tried for like eight months and was furious that he couldn't get one. David's really good at that stuff. Yeah, I just don't care. There's like nothing that I have to have that is worth me. I'm not, I'm not getting up at 4 a.m. to go save my spot in line outside of a store. Yeah, we don't wait. If we wait in a line, it's just because it's a short... Like, we waited in lines the past two years, but that was because it was COVID regulations about how many people could be in a store. Mm-hmm. Not because there was, like, such a good deal we had to get in line. Right. Well, that Circuit City year, they opened the doors on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. And we were in line at, like, midnight trying to get there early and still we're behind like 50 people and then we get into the store and had to wait hours in line to check out covid did change some of that because a lot of the stores don't open on thanksgiving day anymore it's kind of pushed back now to like five six seven eight o'clock in the morning on friday yeah instead of like 6 p.m thanksgiving day yeah so that's one thing covid did change it pushed it back to where it starts on friday now at least but i wondered how that was gonna go like black friday shopping and covid because, you know, there were limits. We on went. You just had to wear a mask and wait in longer lines than usual. Yeah. But it was good because there's less people in the store. That's true. Fewer people to fight over. But I feel like that would cause more fights with the people that were in line. Ugh, you I've know, never were, seen a fight. They were definitely peeing on the sidewalk then because if you lost your spot. I've never seen a fight. I've never seen someone pee. When we first moved here, though, back in like 20... When did we move here? 2015? We went to the outlet mall. Place was packed. Mm. Like, we couldn't find a place to park. It was rough. So it's definitely better than it used to be. I've still never seen a fight, though. I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing a fight. <laughs> For entertainment purposes. Haven't seen, haven't seen a fight, though. <laughs> All right. Well, while those tales are just plain nasty, shopping on Black Friday has gotten rather dangerous over the years, with the first Black Friday death being recorded in 2008. Since then, there's a website, blackfridaydeathcount.com. Okay, well, let me go look. <laughs> no, I will, I'm going to tell you some stuff from it, so don't look too much. I won't read But it has surfaced documenting the horrors of American greed. Some stories are just humorous because they're so stupid, but others are a true testament to the mob mentality amped up by the get-em-while-they-last advertising of retailers across our nation. One such story... A woman who thought she was buying a discounted iPhone 6 was shocked to instead instead receive a box filled with sliced potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) So she released a video that went viral in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and she claimed to have purchased an advice from a shoddy market truck, which, come on, girl, on Black Friday and was outraged when she opened the box to see potatoes and she said what the heck am i supposed to do with this it's unclear if charges were ever filed in connection or if somebody ever responded to the woman and forwarded her a recipe for steak fries 
There was also a, an incident where a shirtless man was seen using his belt as a whip during a skirmish that occurred at an Adidas store in Vancouver, Canada on Black Friday in 2016. Now that's an idea. Just whipping in people Vancouver, with they don't even celebrate the same Thanksgiving we do. They had Black Friday sales. <laughs> the store had to be closed following the violent altercation. One teenaged witness said he was running around with his belt, swinging it at people, and then out of nowhere, some guy came behind him and just started choking him. <laughs> the belt whip guy was ultimately arrested, but police released him with no further information on the incident. Which, good for the guy putting him in a chokehold. <laughs> right. There's also an instance where two California women unfortunately proved that the plastic life isn't always as perfect and dreamy as what Barbie made it out to be. The two broke into a fist fight over an argument stemming from a discounted Barbie doll during a Black Friday sale in 2014. Police were called to attend the brawling and managed to defuse the situation. No one was arrested and the rest of this as a result of the scuffle, and nobody was really injured. See, I don't know. There's just nothing that I'm going to fight over. <laughs> One I'm not of the two. Home. So that's just what you got to go in with the mentality that you're just going to have you fun. Just don't and care. Nothing, and yeah. then it doesn't, and you don't have bad experiences. You just have fun. It's crap like that where it's like, I don't need this Barbie. I'm not going to no. fight someone over a Barbie. People get caught up in the scam of like, it's limited. These items are limited. Buy them now yeah. or you won't see them at this price ever again. So they're like, I have to have this. I have to save this money. I, it's This deal is right now, only right now. No, bitch. They're going to extend it for six weeks. And even if they don't extend it, pay the four extra dollars and don't go get in a fight. Yes. No, yeah. you're still going to be getting offered Black Friday deals in February, okay? But one of the women involved whose name is Sonia, said that the whole thing was pretty stupid. That was very dumb. All right, so on a more serious note, in 2008, Jemaiti, I think is how you say his name, J-D-I-M-Y-T-A-I, Jemaiti, I don't know, Damore, who was a 34-year-old Long Island security worker, was crushed to death by a frenzy of Walmart shoppers looking for a piece of that Black Friday action. So, Walmart actually agreed to implement new safety protocols following Damore's tragic death. They said, we never want it to happen again, according to a Walmart executive, Hank Mullaney. The court's decision to not implicate Walmart in the death was criticized by his family and his lawyer. He said, the ability of Walmart to dictate the results of this criminal investigation demonstrates the epitome of corporate arrogance. Justice is not for sale. Justice is is for sale. Apparently. (laughs) The quote should have been, justice should not be for sale. Right. Justice is for sale. Also in 2008, a fight broke out between a young girl and a man at another Walmart store in Columbus, Ohio, over a 40-inch Samsung flat-screen TV. Well, yeah. It was marked down 
from $1,000 to $798. Ooh. We'll save $200. $202. $202. Hairs. That's a lot of money. So the New York Times reported that the not so aptly named Nikki Nicely, <laughs> who was 19 years old, leapt onto a fellow shopper's back and began pounding her fist violently into his shoulders when he attempted to purchase the TV. She said, that's no, my TV. TV. Huh? It's a TV. Yes. For $200 off. Like, I'm not becoming violent over $200. No, how much are... Yeah, because how much are you got to pay now in your legal whatever? Yeah. And bail money or whatever. Especially, like, I don't need this TV. She probably already had one. She, probably she was had being greedy and she wanted bigger and better. The, fo- the fight was broken apart by a police officer and a security guard. But this type of aggression wasn't confined to just one year. In 2010, several shoppers in Buffalo were pinned against a metal door and then shoved to the ground. And one of the guys who was reportedly, like, stepped on, which, I mean, he didn't die like Damore did, but he said he thought he was going to die. He for sure knew he was about to die. In 2018, on the morning of November 23rd, one Fatality was already reported that morning, but on the night of Thanksgiving, police had to shoot and kill a man in Hoover, Alabama, when they were responding to calls of somebody that was shooting in a parking lot. And apparently this individual shot and killed a 12-year-old girl. So when police arrived, they had a standoff and they ended up shooting the shooter. Yeah. Realistically, looking when I was scrolling through that, a lot of these deaths, they might have happened at Black Friday, like shopping centers, but they weren't necessarily over like sales Some or of them, whatever. No, not necessarily over sales. Some, a lot of the violent, just stupid violence is, but some that of the could have happened, are... it just happened to happen at a Black Friday sale event, but it wasn't necessarily related i've got some like there was one about there was the fight there was a shooting in in memphis because one guy looked at another guy's girlfriend (laughs) like that just happened it's because it's memphis one and it just happened to be at the mall during black friday yeah well i think it plays into like just this crowded this frenzied kind of atmosphere that this consumerism has created to like force people into stores and get them excited about these deals and make them feel like it's end all be all. And so it just creates like this mob mentality kind of thing, especially with the guy who was the Walmart security guard who was killed. So basically the doors were not set to open for another hour, but so many people had crowded outside of the Walmart that they pushed their way in and they literally broke the door off of its hinges, which landed on top of Damore. So when people ran into the Walmart, Squished he was him. literally crushed to death under the door. And it didn't matter if if people heard his cry for his cries for help or not, because the person behind you is pushing you over top him. Otherwise, you're going to fall and be crushed too. Yeah. 
So it's like this frenzied have to get in, have to get this sale, need it right now, one day only, that causes people to like literally rush a store, you know? Um, anyway, so the, the child was shot in the parking lot. The shootout occurred on Thanksgiving night because the store was going to open early. And so they closed the, the mall down, but it was already reopened for Black Friday by 6 a.m. the next morning. Well, yeah, you can't close the mall on Black Friday. No, that's ridiculous. That's tons of money lost. And you'd think that COVID would halt the Black Friday injury count. However, there were two shot and killed in Northern California Mall in the year 2020. California? Yep, Northern California, which I'm, you know, they're super liberal. So I'm really surprised they did any black, like, maybe the people were out of their home. I don't think. Yeah, probably not. But Um, still, yeah. But I did read one instance. You said wear masks everywhere. Yeah. I did read about one instance, and I didn't write it down here, where um, (laughs) one Black Friday shopper stole a parking spot from someone who was trying to park. So that individual got out of their vehicle and gunned them down in their car. That's road rage. That is road rage. But they were in such a hurry. Go listen to our road rage episode that was never released. Never released. (laughs) It was such a good one. I don't remember those cases, so I bet we could do them again. (laughs) (laughs) I remember mine. I just don't remember yours. I don't remember mine. But I didn't research yours endlessly, so, you know. But yeah, they were like in such a hurry to get a spot and get into the store that they they shot someone over a parking spot. That is crazy. Yeah, but again, I don't know if that was because they were in such a hurry or if it was just road rage. Like, would they have shot someone if they were cut off in a parking lot to get at a parking spot Regardless, any other day? Probably not, because there wouldn't be a hurry. Like, there wouldn't be a sense of urgency to get into the store. I've been looking for 20 minutes for this parking spot. No, Let me you tell just, you, parking on Black Friday is back in the day was rough. Yeah. It's now it's not as bad, but yeah, it was rough. We went David's truck, thankfully, was, so we could just boop, boop the curb and park in the grass. <laughs> Um, you're in a car you can't do that but there have also been instances that have happened on black friday where um like a car was stolen and then they realized that there's a child in the back seat i think i can't remember i think that might have actually happened on thanksgiving maybe one day you can come straight thanksgiving with me and we will go and you will see it's not that bad (laughs) i just don't care to get out and be when you're just there for the fun yeah. There's an instance in 2010 where shoppers in Buffalo, New- Buffalo, New York were trampled trying to get into a Target. And this Target. is another instance where a shopper was pinned against a metal door and then shoved to the ground. Oh, and in an effort to promote safety, experts recommend that shoppers proceed with caution by wearing comfortable shoes with sturdy soles. This is to prevent slipping and falling and landing on the ground where you will be crushed to death. They also say to avoid rushing or pushing to the front of a crowd, to stay alert, and above else, above all else, exercise patience and consider shopping with a friend or trusted group so that you can look out for one another. 
Cyber Monday and other big retail days, such as Prime Day and Way Day, which is Wayfair's big online sale day, mm-hmm. have diffused some of I the Black the Friday hype. Hmm? So I like Prime Day. Me too. They also do that like three times a year now, though. So yeah. Well, it's not even one, like a special Cyber Monday thing. One day wasn't getting enough people to spend money that they wouldn't normally spend on things that they, they do don't like actually Prime need. Days. Yes. It's like, I feel like it's every quarter they have like three days that's prime days. Yep. <laughs> or at least twice a year. But I feel like it's more often than twice a year. Yeah, I know um, What the last prime day was in August. Or was it September? It wasn't and that long ago. They're supposed to have another one before Christmas. Let me Jeez. look. I'm just curious. Googling it. Anyway, so. They had, hold on, July they had prime days. Maybe it was July. Yeah, July twelfth and thirteenth, mm. and then yeah, they'll do they'll do like Cyber Monday stuff. So I guess yeah, ever that's like about quarter or not quarterly, um, biannual. Would yeah. that be a biannual? Twice a year, yeah. All right, so these days exist to diffuse some of the Black Friday hype, but the day still continues to be a huge deal for retail moguls. On average, larger retailers such as Walmart, Target, and Kohl's profit close to $1 billion more on Black Friday than they do any other day of the year. For 2022, so for this year, experts predict that supply issues and inflation could impact overall profits. But what do you think their solution is, Pam? They're going to counter this by offering up even more sales even more early sales. That is correct. They're just going to start having sales yeah, earlier. Yeah, I got something from I got something from Kohl's like 2 or 3 weeks ago and it was like early Black Friday. And it was <laughs> this like pots and pans stuff for like super cheap. And I was like, "Oh, we should get this cuz we need new pots and pans." And I was like, "Okay, I'll keep that in mind for Black Friday." No, I done missed it because it was like three weeks ago that they had this Black Friday <laughs> deal. Like, I didn't uh-huh. look at the dates. I saw Black Friday, and I was like, Black Friday? Yep. No. It was like two or three weeks ago. Nope, they're just doing their deals even earlier. They'll probably do it on Black Friday, too, though. So they my probably. chance is not gone to get new pots and pans. No, girl, you'll be getting Black Friday deals all the way through February, I'm telling you. So, at yeah, the end of the day, that. which I did read one article that was talking about Um, Like, keeping your cool during Black Friday sales. Don't get violent. They even listed the most common, like, legal offenses that people commit on those days. And it gave, like, the penalties and ways to prevent being charged with those crimes. (laughs) I was like, this is crazy. Just don't be an idiot. But, yeah, on the Black Friday death count. Try that one out. As of... 2021, there have been 17 deaths and 125 injuries that have occurred on Black Friday. And you would think that COVID would completely prevent that from happening. But like I said, in 2020, there were two people shot and killed. There were six people injured after a, like, main road had closed because of a shooting that occurred where three were shot and Three others were hurt, like, during the rushed evacuation. There was an armed suspect that was shot and taken into custody after an attempted theft at a Walmart. Some people shot at a food court in a mall. 
And some of the earlier ones, 2013, a shopper was shot after someone tried to rob them. They were carrying their TV out to their vehicle from a Target. Oh, here's one. I done from- spent my $798 on this. You can't have it. <laughs> That's right. I saved $200. I'm fighting to the death for this. $202. 202 Thank you very much. Me. But there was also an incident where a huge fight broke out in 2011 where an off-duty police officer pepper-sprayed a large crowd affecting 20 people who had to receive medical attention for being pepper-sprayed in the face. I'm going to tell you, it's not deadly, but that crap sucks. There are a few honorable mentions on the site, too, which have nothing to do with, like, shopping centers or anything like that. Oh, except for this one. 2018, a man shopping on Black Friday at Walmart had a heart attack and died. Probably from all the stress of the shopping. So it's related. But or yeah, so he we'll have to look. He had much gravy the day before. Oh, maybe. We'll have to look. Too much bacon in his green beans and greens. But we'll have to look next week and see if anything gets updated on this website yeah but regardless people but we'll put it in the next one yeah oh yeah that's right i forgot regardless wear your comfortable shoes and remember (laughs) (laughs) nothing what should i take with me i can't take a gun ronda because i can't carry guns what should i take with me to protect myself when i go shopping on friday obviously pepper spray i don't have pepper spray well you should get some David carries a knife. We have. I can take a knife. You trying to stab Cut somebody people? for my TV? No, you just spray them in the face with pepper spray. Grab what was in their hands and run off with it. They won't be able to see to chase you down. I don't have pepper spray. Buy some. You can get it on sale right now. <laughs> yeah, that hurts yourself too. Not if you're using it correctly. Jeez, there's not the gonna be like a. It, it hurts your eyes, too, when you fire pepper spray. Not if, There's not a cross breeze not blowing it back in your face. Oh, my gosh. You gotta, like, check the wind when you spray it. Okay, let me take my time. Let me... There won't on. be... Please, a... please don't walk away. I need to check the breeze <laughs> before I spray my pepper there's spray. There's not gonna be a wind inside Walmart, Pam. What if I'm in the parking lot, Rhonda? Well, don't use it in the parking lot, Pamela. You're giving me too many variables. I need something other than pepper spray. If you're spray. using it in the parking lot, at that point, what if you're I'm just in the wind? What if I'm in the fan aisle and there's fan displays blowing? You it need blows to blow the pepper spray. <laughs> I desperately need this fan. <laughs> it's $20 off. <laughs> You'd have to work almost a whole hour for that fan. I need this fan. (laughs) Well, wear comfortable shoes, don't fight over menial items, and stay safe, folks. Mm -hmm. And if you see me, better watch out. (laughs) Well, you know she won't have for five minutes too long. I'm gonna be able to point my pepper spray at you and (laughs) spray it in your face. No, you'll get stabbed. Anyway, thanks for tuning in with us this week. We really hope you enjoy your Thanksgivings. Don't let your family get to you. It's not worth murdering them. And we'll talk to you next time.
Bye. Bye.